Praise God. Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. And if you're a guest with us, thank you for being here on this Thursday night. If you're watching us online, we welcome you wherever you are. And uh, I know normally when we start teaching or preaching, you stand, you can remain seated because I want to kind of, I'm going to finish up tonight what uh, started last week. And uh, so just for the sake, especially of those that you, of you that may not have been here last Sunday, or Thursday night, would like to give a little bit of review and, uh, and kind of go from there. So, uh, a couple of verses that we read last week, Luke 5 and verse 27. The Bible says, after these things, he, being Jesus, went forth and saw a publican named Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom, and that's 2017 terminology, he was an IRS agent, so, uh, sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, he said unto him two simple words, follow me, follow me. John 1.43, we find the same thing, Jesus finds Philip and says unto him, Follow me. He didn't say, join my group, join my organization. He didn't say, become a church member. He said, follow me. And again, what is amazing to me is that from those two simple words, these two men and several other men completely gave up everything to do that very thing follow him. They abandoned careers. They gave up their comfort zone to the, res- to the response of two simple words. Follow me. Once again, night two of, I think, my all-time corniest message, teaching, preaching title, which ship are you on? Are you on the membership or are you on the discipleship? Membership is consumerism. Discipleship is servanthood. Membership is a choice. Discipleship is an act, and it's a result of being born again. Membership asks, what do I have to do? Discipleship asks, what can I do? And I will not reread everything from before, I want to remind you of this definition. The word follow here is, according to Strong's Dictionary, it means, uh, it says it is a, partis- a particle of union, and that Greek word that I won't try to pronounce, a road, properly to be in the same way with, to accompany, especially as a disciple, to accompany, to be in the same way with, to be in close fellowship with. I realize you and I don't get it in the same way that Levi or Peter or James or John or Philip got it with Jesus standing in front of them in the flesh and saying, follow me. But in essence, every one of us has received the same exact call. Follow me. I, I, I touched on it some last week. I said it in one of our executive council meetings the other day. I think 
we've made a mistake as, as a church. I don't mean just as this church, but I mean as, as church that we have made, we've done a great job of working to make church members. But I'm not so sure how great of a job we've done in developing disciples of Jesus Christ. I, I touched on it last week. I, I pay X amount of dollars every month for a gym membership. And I go there three mornings a week, most week, and play racquetball. But outside of that, that, that place has little to no effect on the rest of my life. And there's a lot of times, if it's convenient, if I don't have an obligation, I've, I've told you before, I, you know, when I, when I, I participate in a league and so I have an opponent that I'm supposed to play and, and, and the times that that opponent cancels, most of the time, when the opponent I'm supposed to play cancels, I tell myself, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and get up in the morning anyway, and I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to work out. I've planned that about a hundred times. I've done that zero times. Because when I don't have the obligation, it's a lot easier to ignore what I said I was going to do. That's, that's membership. I, I got a text from someone yesterday about something happening tonight and I, at church and I responded jokingly saying, well, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to be there tomorrow night. Of course, we all know that as the pastor, I don't have the right to decide if I'm coming to church or not, right? Because I'm the pastor. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the head of the organization. But to the best of my ability, and I'm a human being like the rest of you, but to the best of my ability, I do not come because I have an obligation to come. I come because it's what my desire is. It's what my hunger is. It's what my passion is. But as a consumer, I can, it's a take it or leave it. But we haven't been called to be members, church members. We've been called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we have all been given an invitation by Him to follow Him. Church membership and being a follower of Jesus Christ are not synonymous. They are not synonymous. I know that's a really simple statement, and some of you probably go, yeah, that's right, but whatever, but they're not the same, and I'm going to get to here starting in a few minutes where, where what I mentioned last week, I think Jesus makes it pretty clear. I, I meant to do it last week, I meant to do it again tonight, I, 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 I was going to borrow my son's Orioles jersey my dad gave him. If I had an Orioles jersey here tonight and I put that jersey on, by putting that jersey on, do you all of a sudden believe I am a Baltimore Oriole? Putting that jersey on does not make me a Baltimore Oriole. I always, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sports fan, been a sports fan all my life, continue to con 
plan to continue being a sports fan. I've got my favorite teams, and if you're a sports fan, you've got your favorite teams. But it always kind of, I, I find it humorous when a person talks about their team with the we pronoun. We lost tonight. Boy, we struggled Sunday. Wake up on Monday, go to work on Monday, and you're talking about your football team. Boy, we didn't do what? What do you mean we? What do you mean we? Just because you are a fan of the team does not make you a member of the team. And I'm, I'm sorry, but just showing up, even showing up on Thursday night to church is not the same as, as, it's not, not, does not automatically make you a follower of Jesus Christ and neither does it automatically make you saved. Because the problem is, if we're not careful, we can show up to church faithfully but not really follow Jesus Christ. We can be faithful to church, but not really be a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, Brother Wright, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that when you get up tomorrow morning and there's no church, and you're not surrounded by a bunch of church folks, you are supposed to at that moment be a follower of Jesus Christ. You are supposed to manifest to the world what a believer is. I, I had an interesting occurrence a couple of a Tuesday night. I had been trying to get a couple of things done in my yard that were overdue. And as I was working, I saw we had a neighbor. I think I've mentioned this passing a time or two. We had a neighbor that last August, her husband passed away. Fairly unexpectedly, he was, uh, I think, early 80s, um, but really wasn't, even though he was an older gentleman, it wasn't really an expected thing. Uh, and he was in the Navy, had been in the Navy, and so he was getting buried at Arlington National Cemetery and passed away in August, and it was just a couple of weeks ago that he actually finally was able to be uh, interned at, um, uh, at, at the cemetery. And so... We've over the last several months, there's been several times that uh, she's not been real comfortable staying at home by herself and she has daughters that she's visiting in a couple of different places and a couple of times our daughters have, a bunch of times actually, have spent the night there. She just having somebody else in the house gives her some peace of mind and so we we tried to just kind of be there but I, I noticed Tuesday night one of my neighbors who's also tried to be a help to them was was out uh, right on the riding lawnmower in her yard and, and was, was cutting her grass. He had borrowed a, one of the neighbor's riding mowers, but he was cutting her grass. And so I just had the spur of the moment idea if he's cutting the grass, I'll take my weed eater over there and I'll take care of the weeding while he takes care of the grass. And I did that and it took me probably 10, 15 minutes at the most. And I was, I was finishing up about to walk off and he paused the tractor to greet me. And, and he made a statement that I was really not expecting. Not expecting at all. And I don't think he was saying it frivolously. He said, he said, you know what you, and he was speaking beyond just that moment, but he said, you have, you, you have, you have, uh, not, I forget, not restored that, I don't think that was the word, but renewed maybe, or helped to renew my faith in humanity. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm just, 
I'm just weeding a few, you know, I'm just running my weed eater. This is not anything earth shattering here. I was greatly impacted by that statement and I was also impacted and challenged all over again is that I I don't want this and right here to be what defines this person. And that because of this, you identify me. Well, yeah, we know he's a follower of Jesus Christ because of where he stands and what he does. Really, I want to be known more by what I do outside of here that demonstrates, that proves that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I want in the privacy of my home when it's just my wife and my four kids and I and nobody else is around. I want in that moment for them to be able to look at me, not as the guy that stands up here, but just as their dad and say, you know what? He doesn't have to stand up there for me to think he's a follower of Jesus Christ. But based on how he treats my mother and based on how he treats me and based on what he does, I can tell. He is a follower of Jesus Christ because I can be a faithful church member and have so many areas of my life that God has no involvement in. But I cannot, I cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and not have every single area of my life affected. Because when he said, follow me, he wasn't just saying, I I want you to follow me on Sunday morning. I want you to follow me on Sunday night and Thursday night. When he said, follow me, it was, follow me. All the time, every day, everything you do. And that's based on relationship. That's based on a relationship. Not based on a religion. You, you, you get married. When you get married, the, the act of marriage to me is kind of like religion. You enter this commitment. You don't stay married for decades because of marriage, so to speak. You stay married for decades because of a relationship that has been built, that has been dug out of some hard times and some challenging situations. I, I you, Most of you know by now, we just celebrated 25 years. I love my, lot, my wife. I love her more now than I ever have before. But I got to tell you, there have been a few days I didn't feel like I loved her very much. And I'm quite certain <laughs> that there were a few times the feelings were mutual. <laughs> and so it it wasn't it wasn't a a a a, a instant it wasn't the institution of marriage that caused me to make it to 25 years it was a relationship that was based on highs and lows you know what just because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, just because you are a disciple of Jesus Christ does not mean that life becomes all lovely and wonderful with no problems and no difficulties. 
He said to them, follow me. And then later on, he tells them, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Wait a minute, that's not what we bargained for. We, we signed up for the good stuff. We got in this for all of the, the, the rewards and the benefits. And the moment I'm disappointed by what I get, if all I am is a, a member, a consumer, I'm done. I'm finished. But if I am a follower, if I have joined in the way with, and I am following Him wherever He goes, wherever He wants me to go, and in the process, as I touched on last week, in the process of following Him, I become more like Him. To the point that hopefully you begin to look at me and you say, you know what? You look a lot like Him. You act like Him. You talk like Him. You treat people like Him. So I, I, I guess I want to combination of things this is I, I've shared it a little bit I'm still reading it and this is not intended to be an endorsement of it it's just my personal reading I've been reading uh, preachers and preaching I think or preaching and preachers by uh, Lloyd Jones and it's very challenging impactful one of the things that has impacted me so much as has several other situations similar to this is to see that some of the things we think are some kind of new challenge to us as the church today is nothing new. That 40, 50 years ago, they were dealing with the same exact problems. To prove, and the point to me, the point I'm trying to take away is, I don't need to be looking for a carnal answer or a carnal solution. I need to find out what does the Word of God say. That is the source. It's not popular thinking. It's not the latest trend, the latest idea, the latest concept. But what does the eternal Word of God say? Because whatever the problem is, the Bible's got the answer. Whatever the challenge is, God's got the solution. We don't need man coming up with its own way of doing something. We need to find out what does the Word of God say. And so there, there's a passage, some of you probably are familiar with it, but I think it demonstrates this idea that simply being a member, even a dedicated a member of church is not automatically make you a disciple of Jesus Christ, neither does it automatically make you saved. Matthew 7 and 21 says, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say, to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We've cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works. That, that's a pretty good resume. 
That's a pretty good list of things to be able to say. I mean, there, there's, there's even folks here tonight that you can't say you've prophesied or you can't say you've cast out devils and you can't say you've done many wonderful works. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you can't say some of these things. And yet they said, these are the things we did in your name. And notice his response. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Amplified Bible. Let me just insert this real quick. First of all, if you did not know this, the King James is not divinely inspired. Hello. The King James Bible is not divinely inspired. We do believe that it seems to be extremely accurate and a lot more accurate than a lot of other translations. But it by itself is not divinely inspired. If you think God spoke in these and thou's. So. I personally use, as you know, if you've been around here any length of time, I often read other translations because it gives flavor. It gives perspective. And it puts some things in language that we understand better. So, that was free. The Amplified says it like this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you know what, I don't, I don't mind asking for a response. I want you just to answer internally. How many of you know what the will of God is for your life? Do you understand that for every single person in this place tonight, God has a will for you. His will. And, and it says, those that will enter the kingdom of heaven are, are those that do the will of my Father. I, I know we got some things in Scripture that we know we all must follow. We all need to let them impact our lives. But I also need to know for me on an individual basis, what is God's will for me? Because I need to do God's will for my life. And what God's will is for me is probably not the same thing as it is for you. And what God wants me doing may not be the same thing as what He wants you doing. We may have some things that kind of cross over, but we're each going to have an individual unique will that God has for our lives. And that's really a great thing because most of us can't do what a lot of others can do. So all I've got to do is find out what do you want me to do, God? What is your will for me? I, I might not be able to do what you do and how you do it, but I don't have to do what you do and how you do it. I got to do what God has called me to do. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and, done, and, and driven out demons in your name? 
and done many mighty works in your name. And then I will say to them openly, publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. The message Bible says it this way. Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my Father wills. What is required is serious obedience. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preach the message, we bash the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? (laughs) You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. You just used me to make you important. You're out of here. Lastly, the Living Bible says it this way, Not all who sound religious are really godly people. They may refer to me as Lord, but still won't get to heaven. For for the decisive question is whether they obey my Father in heaven. At the judgment, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we told others about you and used your name to cast out demons and to do many other great miracles. But I will reply, you have never been mine. Go away, for your deeds are evil. There's no indication here he argues with them about what they did. There's no debate over what they did. He's The, the, the response is, I don't know you. I, I, I want to look at a couple different parts of this verse. The, the first thing is the, the word he said. Let's get back for a second here to the King James. The King James says, verse 23, I will profess unto them. Who's the them? It's those that have done all of these wonderful things. Notice here. This, he's not referring to, to what you would just consider a rank sinner. <laughs> these are people that profess. These are people that did things that, that were appearing to be extremely religious. And he says to them, I never knew you depart from me. And this last statement, you that work iniquity, produce, influence iniquity. And so what is iniquity? Thayer's Greek lexicon defines iniquity as the condition of one without law, either because ignorant of it or because violating it. It is a contempt and violation of law, iniquity, wickedness. So he doesn't just, I mean, he doesn't, it's not that I just don't know you, but then he turns around and says what you were doing, you actually were producing lawlessness because you were ignoring the law, you were violating the law, you were violating what I wanted you to do, and you were telling others, don't worry about what God wants you to do. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says this with regards to the statement I will profess. He says, And then will I profess unto them, or openly proclaim, tearing off the mask, I never knew you. What they claimed, intimacy with Christ, is just what he repudiates, and with a certain scornful dignity. 
Our acquaintance was not broken off. There never was any. You ever, you ever seen somebody you knew before and it's been a long time? And they, they come up, hey, and they call you by name and you're like, how you doing? Good to see you too. And then finally something triggers. Oh, we, we, we were sitting in a meeting on uh, uh, Monday and we were in the conference room and a gentleman walked in the, the door right there and was looking around for somebody, and uh, I was uh, I was the one that for some reason was designated to go, and so I, I walked out and uh, and he handed me a card and he was looking for one of the or he was looking for one of the staff members and he gave me his first name and uh, didn't really ring a bell, but then he hands me his card, his business card, and his last name was on the business card, and I said, "Are you so and so?" Yeah. I said, well, I'm David Wright. What? His family, he, in fact, I think him, his sister I know, because I went to school with her years ago, probably in the 80s, had attended our school, our church school. His family had been a part of the church some. Oh, my goodness, I didn't reckon the last time I saw you, you were like this. (laughs) It's one thing to not remember someone. It's another thing... He says, I never, I never knew you. I never knew you. You may profess to have known me, but I never knew you. They said, Lord, look at everything we've done in your name. Look at all that we've accomplished in your name. And his response is, I... I never knew you. Adam Clark says, I will fully and plainly tell them I never knew you. I never approved of you, for so the word is used in many places, both in the Old and New Testaments. You held the truth in unrighteousness while you preached my pure and holy doctrine. And for the sake of my own truth and through my love to the souls of men, I blessed your preaching. That's a scary statement right there. As a preacher, that is a scary statement. I'm going to read that again. He says, while you preach my pure and holy doctrine, and for the sake of my truth, and through my love to the souls of men, I bless your preaching. (laughs) That means it's got nothing to do with you. What he's saying is my using of you was not my stamp of approval on you. I try to remind myself every now and then. It doesn't matter what God does through me. It doesn't matter how God uses me. That does not mean God's patting me on the back saying, hey, everything's good. That mean, that, that's not God saying, you know what? Everything in your life's a-okay, so I'm gonna use you as my stamp of approval. God says, you know what? I got some souls, I got some lives I'm trying to touch, and you may have some things out of line. And so not because I am approving of you, but because I am desiring to touch them, I'm going to use you in spite of you. For the sake of those He desires to touch, 
Let me tell you something. If God, I'm not trying to be unkind here, but don't get too puffed up just because God uses you. Because if God gets desperate enough, he's done it once before, he can do it again. He used a donkey to talk. Anytime I ever start to get puffed up, I'm, a, I'm the man of God. I'm a, he spoke through a donkey. If he can speak through a donkey, what is that? It doesn't make me anything special. Paul said it this way. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let me let you in on a little secret. If you've ever complimented a preacher on his message and were a little bit baffled or maybe a little bit offended by his response, that's kind of like one of those wives' questions that doesn't have a right answer, you know? Hey, Brother Ryan, it's a great message tonight, man. That was powerful preaching. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. You're like, no, that's not right. Because down deep inside, if it really was God, you're going, it wasn't me. And then you're going, you know what? If I let what you're saying get here, and this starts to go here, oh no. <laughs> He's going to come along with his pen and pop my bubble. So you really don't, you don't want to be rude, you don't want to be unkind. But you also don't want to start taking credit for something that's not you because this treasure is in an earthen vessel so that the excellency of the power, so that the glory goes to God. Let me tell you something. Anybody that starts getting puffed up in themselves because of ministry success is demonstrating to you they do not have the right attitude and the right spirit. Ministry success does not cause me to become worthy or deserve anything. Paul said he was a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. But yourselves, I, I blessed you for the sake of those listening, but yourselves I could never esteem because you were destitute of the spirit of my gospel, unholy in your hearts and unrighteous in your conduct. Alas, alas, how many preachers are there who appear prophets in their pulpits? How many writers and other evangelical workmen, the miracles of whose labor, learning, and doctrine we admire who are nothing and worse than nothing before God because they perform not His will but their own. What an awful consideration that a man of eminent gifts whose talents are a source of public utility should be only as a waymark or finger post in the way to eternal bliss, pointing out the road to others without walking in it himself. I, I, I've said it already. I've said it many times in the past. I am, I'm, I'm just like the rest of you. I am a human being. I am, I am got as much flesh as all of you do. But I would hope, it is my goal, it is my desire, I try to live by this, that if you spent time around me, if you spent any significant time around me, in any setting, that no matter what the setting or circumstances are, when all of that's over, that you will have just as much respect for me after that as you do based on what you see here. 
the one place that that's usually pretty questionable is when it's something connected to a ball. (laughs) There have been numerous times in my years of life that folks have showed up at a softball game or elsewhere and saw behavior that was not very godly. I've been known to throw a couple of softball gloves or bang a couple of bats to the ground. I didn't cuss. I didn't use profanity. But so I, That's the one area you probably should stay away. Because I'll tell you right now, it's probably... I'm still working on learning to play, Brother Todd, for fun. I, I'm, I don't get out on a golf course and say, well, isn't this such great scenery? Yeah. But if I was simply into sightseeing, I'd be somewhere else. Not here for the scenery. I'm here for the challenge. I, I would hope, I would hope that if you were able to be a fly on the wall in my house, That after how long you sat there, no matter how long it was you sat and observed, that it was all said and done, you could respect me just as much as you may now. If you can't, there is a problem. He said, depart from me. What a terrible word, what a dreadful separation. Depart from me, from the very Jesus whom you proclaim, in union with whom alone eternal life is to be found. For united to Christ all is heaven, separated from Him all is hell. And then Barnes' note says this with regards to this statement, I never knew you. I want you to get the gist of how strong this statement is. That is, I never approved of your conduct, never loved you, never regarded you as my friends. This proves that with all their pretensions, they had never been true followers of Christ. Jesus will not then say to false prophets and false professors of religion that he had once known them and rejected them, that they had been once Christians and then had fallen away, that they had been pardoned and then had, ap- and then had apostatized, that he had never known them. They had never been true Christians. I challenge you tonight to not judge the Bible by others. I'm not going to sit here tonight and tell you to judge others by the Bible. That's between God and What I mean by that is somebody else's actions and behaviors does not determine my beliefs. I I would hope, I would hope that if I walked in here tonight and stood up here in this pulpit and began to tell you all of the things that the Bible says, all of the things that we have stood for and believe that the Bible says, if I started telling you all of those things, that they weren't any, that wasn't truth, that wasn't necessary, that wasn't Scripture, rather than me causing you to give up on your faith, I would hope that you have a strong enough relationship with God that you would look at me and say, you know what, I'm really sorry for you and being disillusioned, but you're not changing my faith. I never, never knew you, he says. 
Whatever might have been their pretended joys, their raptures, their hopes, their self-confidence, their visions, their zeal, they had never been regarded by the Savior as His true friends. It settles the question and proves that whatever else such people had, they never had any true religion. So it's not enough that you and I just show up to church. It's not enough that we just punch a clock to say, I was there. We've got to follow Him. We've got to know Him. We've got to deepen our relationship with Him. Listen to what I, I was teaching the Bible study yesterday and we were getting, we're getting down to the last couple of lessons and it's dealing some of the end times. And, and you know, the, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Revelation, all three of those books have some very major things about the end times. But they, but all three of them kind of deal with a lot of things in a way that's pretty, that's, it's mostly like symbolic and so it requires some interpretation and sometimes that interpretation of those things can be a little faulty. But you know what? There's plenty of other places that the the signs of the times, the signs of the end time, they're just plain and straightforward. They don't require any interpretation. They don't require any deep theological understanding. It's just some simple stuff. And I find one of those places in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse number 1, where Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days perilous times shall come. Now listen to this list of things that Paul says are going to be a part of the last days. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. These are things that are Paul saying, when it's the last days, it's going to be perilous times, and these are the things that are going to be going on. Is there anybody that you can't just off the top of your head think of most of these in our world today? And then listen to this last one that he says in verse 5. Having a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. The Amplified says the last verse this way. For although they held, they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people, turn away from them. The Message Bible, they'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of those people. And then the New Living Translation, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. There's an old song I... Got a feeling a couple of you may know it and a bunch of you probably never heard of it. The words to that song were this, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. I think that's really in essence what Paul was saying. They have a form of religion, but they are not allowing it to do all 
that it is intended to do. They're not allowing, they have a, they have a form of religion, but they aren't allowing the power of God to do what it is in, what it is intended to do. Because if you've got the, the power of God on the inside, it should be impacting and changing every part of your life. But Paul said in the last days, one of the signs of the end times is a form of religion. An outward show, an outward expression, but denying the power of it. We sit here tonight, you sit here at this point, people sit in this place tonight that can testify to the power of God to transform a life. That when given the time and the opportunity and when yielded to the power of God, that God can truly transform a life. You know, they, they say, it's, especially if you go to like some kind of a natural uh, setting, a natural habitat, the beach or some kind of nature preserve or whatever, they, they, say, they say, leave it like you weren't there. Don't, don't leave your trash behind. Don't leave your stuff behind. Don't, don't leave a mess there. It, it should be as if you were never there. I gotta tell you tonight, I am so glad that Jesus doesn't just leave me like he was never there. But I'm glad that when he shows up in my life and as a result of him dwelling in my life, not only does he not leave it like he wasn't there, but he doesn't leave me like I was. He begins to transform and change. And if I will let him affect it, he, then he will affect and influence every part of my life. You know what? You can get debt. You, you can easily become dissatisfied with religion. But I don't think it's possible to ever become dissatisfied with a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. You can get tired of religion. You can, you can possibly get tired of church. But if you are truly in a relationship, a growing relationship, with you and Jesus Christ, I don't think you can ever possibly become dissatisfied. So I, I ask you in closing tonight, what, let me just reuse my corny title again, what ship are you on? You've done everything, you're doing everything necessary to be in the membership? <laughs> or are you truly working on discipleship and being a genuine follower of Jesus Christ? There's been over the last, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe a decade or two, there's kind of been the, the term authentic. I think I used this recently, mentioned this recently. The term authentic has become a huge or has been, maybe not as much anymore, but it's been a big term amongst Christians, you know, authentic, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, what, what I feel like I've observed from that is a lot, a lot of people mean by that is creating something new. That's not really what the word authentic is a great word. It really is a good word. 
And what we really need is authentic because authentic is about the original, the real. It's not about us trying to create something new and different and try to figure out that, that again, that's consumerism. What do I, what do I have to do to draw you and get your attention? But authentic in the sense of a relationship, a genuine relationship. I, that, that early church, that book of Acts church, they, they had authentic church. They were an authentic church. They had, they had not only connection and relationship with Jesus Christ, but connection and relationship with each other. Cause I can't, I can't follow him and be disconnected from you. I can't genuinely follow him and then say, you know what, I don't need you. In fact, I kind of think the more, the closer I draw to Him and the more I know Him, the more I recognize also that I, I need you. Because the more my relationship with Him grows, it's just kind of a natural product that the more my relationship with you ought to grow. The closer I get to Him, the closer I ought to want to get to those that feel the same way about Him that I do. I believe we're in some challenging days as, as, as a church, as the church. We're in challenging days because if we're not careful, and again, I'm not, I'm not here tonight to try to pass judgment on anyone. I'm here as the pastor here to challenge you. But Jesus said there would be those that did all kind of wonderful things in His name. But there's going to be a point that He says to him, I never knew you. I never knew you. They did, they did the right things. They acted the right ways. They participated, if you will, in the right activities. But His response is, I never Never, never, never knew you. And not only did I not know you, what you claimed to have been doing, you were actually doing the opposite because you were causing lawlessness, chaos, confusion. At the risk of just being redundant and continuing to repeat myself. My relationship with God should affect every area of my life. There are adults today that no longer profess Christianity, no longer profess a relationship with God, no longer consider themselves believers And part of the contributing factor was growing up in homes where they come to church and parents do one thing at church, but then the rest of the week there's something completely different. They do all the right things at church, but the rest of the time there's somebody else. Sad thing is, somehow they never work through the fact that don't blame God for people, for humans being humans. 
But it is a sad thing for us to profess what we are and yet not truly follow. Truly follow. Every day, one step at a time, follow Jesus. I want you would just for a moment here. It's pretty early compared to what we typically do, so surely you could spare a moment or two here. Would you just on your own kind of for a moment take a little bit of an account and you talk to Jesus for a minute? Would you would you and him, you and him, nobody else, nobody else's opinion, nobody else's input. But just you and Jesus for a moment, would you answer the question between you and Him that, Lord, am I really, am I genuinely following You? Am I really following You, Lord, or am I just working to do what I have to do to be a part of a, a group of people? I'm sort of going down the checklist of things that I've got to do for my, my membership status when really in comparison to being a disciple, a follower of You. That's not what's important. Jesus, I'm asking You to help every one of us tonight. Lord, in a world where we're able to see those that perhaps are professing one thing, but their lives aren't really lining up. Rather than that causing us to stumble and causing us to question and doubt You, let it be a challenge to us. A challenge that we don't want in our own lives as individuals to just just sort of check off the, the list of expectations and ignore the fact that I may not truly be following You. That when nobody else is around, when nobody else can see what's going on in those private moments of my life, that when it boils down to just You and me, that there really is a connection, there really is a relationship, there, there really is a genuine following of You. Walking with You. Going where You go. Going where You want me to go. Help us tonight, Lord. God, I don't want it to be said of me on that day when I stand before You. I don't want to hear those words that You never knew me. I don't want to hear those words, God, that what I professed to be doing, what I professed I was, was really not real. And You say You don't know me. I want to know You. And I want You to be able to say, that You know me, God. I pray, God, that You would touch us tonight as a church. That You would help us tonight, God, to have genuine, not just by our profession, but a genuine following of You. As individuals, we are truly following You. We're walking in the way with You. We're in the path with You. We have joined together with you. We haven't joined together with an organization or a institution, but we have joined together in relationship with you. I pray tonight, God, that you would
help every one of us, whether we hear it almost audibly or if it's just simply that tug that we often feel in our spirits. I pray that every person here tonight, from the youngest to the oldest, God, would feel the tug, the invitation that you gave to Levi and Philip and others, those that simple call of follow me. I pray tonight, God, that you would give every one of us the ears to hear as you say to us to follow you. Help us tonight, God. I pray that you would help us to silence all the noise, all the voices in our lives that seem to drown out that still small voice of yours that gives that call. In the name of Jesus Christ, revive us, renew us, renew our relationship with You, God. I pray for every person in this place tonight, God, for a renewing of individual relationship with You. Not a rededication to a church, not a rededication to a body of people, but a rededication to a relationship, a personal, individual, real relationship with you, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, help us tonight, Lord. Let your Spirit do and accomplish the work in our lives, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for being here tonight. Pray that the remainder of your week is blessed. In Jesus' name, you are dismissed.